0: After the Apocalypse, A Pandemic Survival Story, Season 2, Episode 17, Change of Management. It was like a scene from an old western, close-ups of scarred faces, the smell of fear pheromones thick in the air. A momentary stillness of the confrontation was punctuated by the susurration of a dusty wind in the parking lot. Crows cried complaints from the trees. There was the brushing crinkle of clothes and shoe leather as the men shifted nervously. The mood was broken by Tasker, moaning, half-mumbling, his confident swagger erased by the gun in his ear. Gone was the Renaissance man of industry— Gone was the Rebuilder, the self-appointed governor of New Jerusalem. Here, now, was a man rendered incoherent by disbelief, as if all of his oratorial skills had been robbed from him, along with the dreams of the future. No, 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 Tasker moaned. Can I just kill this weak-ass piece of shit? Carl asked in an aside to Harlan. Hold your horses! Harlan replied calmly. Just hold your horses, Carl. What took you so long anyhow? Had to stop and get my boot shine, Harlan said with a smile. Didn't want to show up for our date looking like a poor cousin. Tasker kept repeating, no, 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 like something was broken in his brain. Carl shifted his grip on Tasker. Oh, For God's sake, I think he pissed himself. Michael, watching the two men talk and still shocked by Carl's turn, stepped forward with gun raised. What's going on here? What's the deal? Who the hell are you guys? Harlan raised one hand appealingly. Look, Mac, Carl says you're a solid soldier, so just calm yourself down, lower your weapon, and let's talk. Hold on, just how do you two know each other? Well, Harlan started glancing at Carl, who was still pointing a gun in Tasker's ear. "'Carl and me are old friends. We spent some time together as guests of the county before all this shit happened. Lucky for us, we ran into each other recently, and he told me about this lovely spot you have here, and we decided to take advantage of your hospitality.' Michael's mind spun through scenarios." If he moved now, Tasker was a dead man. He knew what Carl was capable of. He could see the safety was off and Carl's finger was on the trigger. Carl had always been a barely controlled wild card. These were hard men behind Mr. Ratface. They had military weapons. They looked like ex-military or ex-cons or maybe a mix of both. His men, by comparison, were at best weekend warriors and turkey hunters. They didn't have automatic weapons, and he could tell they were terrified. He could certainly smell the fear coming off the kid behind him. They had the others flanked, but God only knew who'd get shot in the crossfire. His men didn't have his training. They wouldn't fire, move and cover like an organized force. They'd break and run, every man for himself. If there was a gunfight, it would be a bloodbath. He kicked himself for not training the better. Tasker hadn't thought it necessary, said it, gave the wrong message. He'd have to try to talk his way out of this one. Harlan shifted his body and raised his voice "'to encompass all the men in the standoff, not just Michael. "'Look, Mike, no one else needs to die here today. "'I give you my word that if you and your men put down your guns, "'nobody gets hurt. "'This is not an attack on you. "'This is a simple change in management.' "'Michael was silent as he thought this over. "'There were no good options, but maybe in one scenario... He and his men lived to survive another day. Harlan noted Michael's hesitation and continued, making sure everyone heard him. "Mike, no one needs to die for this buffoon, he gestured at Tasker. Clearly, he's not designed for this new world. He's living in the past. Look at him. He's weak and stupid. I guarantee this will be an upgrade in leadership, don't you think? You guarantee no one else gets hurt? Michael said, looking around. "'Scouts, honor, Mike. Not even this useless piece of garbage. And anyone who wants to leave can leave. Just put down your guns and let's go get that breakfast.' "'All right, but only to prevent further bloodshed. I don't trust you, and I'm keeping my gun.' Michael waved to the men on the roof and the men on the flanks. "'Put your guns on the ground and back away. Go back inside. It's all over.' Michael holstered his pistol. Harlan smiled and walked forward towards the entrance, put his arm around Michael's shoulder and said, "'So, you got any women here?' Bill the dog growled low as they watched the scene at the door of the complex unfold from the overlook across the highway. The old man's legs had eventually recovered functionality as they scrambled back across the road, into the tree line, and up the hill from where Mags had come." Bill hadn't strayed more than a foot from the old man since they had been reunited. He wasn't about to let this troublesome ward out of his sight again. The old man sat on the ground and reached out to grab his feet, holding the stretch and feeling the discomfort in his hamstrings. "'That's it!' he thought. Enough trusting people and working with people. It didn't pay. It just got me in trouble. The only one I can trust is me, and that's who I'm going to focus on from this point forward. I never thought I would survive in this world, and I certainly didn't want to get tied up in the insanity of these others. Bill pushed his big head between the old man's legs and into his face. The old man released his grip on his toes and fell backwards. Damn dog, he muttered. It doesn't look good down there, Mag said as she peered through their rifle sight. There's a lot of men and a lot of guns. Some guy has a gun to some other guy's head. Good, the old man replied. Let them kill each other. Brad's down there, she said. His problem, not mine. The old man replied, rubbing his legs and pushing the dog's head out of the way. Mags took her eye off the sight and scowled at him. Jesus ''You're an asshole sometimes. We just rescued you five minutes ago and you're back to being a self-centered jerk.'' She pushed the rifle in his direction. ''Just take a look and tell me what's going on.'' The old man was chagrined because she had just rescued him. He reluctantly took the rifle and squinted through the scope. ''The guy with the gun to his head is Tasker, the leader. Dumb shit. Way too full of himself. All talk, no action.'' The guy holding the gun to his head is Carl, a real piece of work. He's a dirtbag that treated me to the golden shower. Makes sense that he was a Benedict Arnold. I don't know the guys in the Humvees, but it looks like Carl does. What do you think is going on? Looks like another normal day in the apocalypse. Carl sold them out, and that D.C. has new people in charge. He stated flatly and handed her rifle back to her. Any thoughts on what we should do? Yeah. "'We should get the hell out of here.' "'What about Brad?' the old man shrugged. "'He's a big boy. He's not my problem.' Mag scowled again at the old man and then looked back through the rifle. "'Looks like one side is dropping their guns.' "'Bet it's not the guys in the humbies,' the old man said. And he was right. Mags looked at him again. He shrugged. "'With that bozo tasker in charge, it was inevitable that this place would fall.' This place needed a leader, not a wannabe messiah. He slowly got to his feet, leaning on a tree trunk for support and grunting. Go back to your kids, Mags. I'm going to run an errand with Bill. Mags looked at him suspiciously. She hadn't been able to read this man from the start. He helped rescue them from the king, but really, the woman had been the driving force behind that. He'd showed some courage at the bridge. He'd lost people. But she always sensed a distance between those hard eyes, like there was something missing, some dark void in him that she couldn't see or comprehend. She had the distinct feeling that he was leaving for good. "'When will you be back at the school?' she asked pointedly, rolling the question she really wanted asked into another, less direct question. "'Christ, this woman is a civic-minded nest-maker.' the old man thought. Just tell her what she wants to hear. I'll be right behind you, he said. I have to get my stuff. I hid it in the warehouse. All right, she said, trying to turn the tense moment into a joke. If you can't make it, just make sure Bill comes back. The kids love him. Everyone loves Bill, the old man agreed, tussling the big dog's head. Mags hoisted her pack inside. See you for dinner. She headed back through the trees the way she had come, to the school. Bella would be starting to worry. The old man made his way down the far side of the hill to stay out of sight while he circled back towards the other side of the distribution complex. Bill, the dog, stayed close, clearly keeping an eye on him, almost judging him. "'What are you, my nanny now, dog?' The dog looked at the old man as he trotted. His brown, intelligent eyes were focused on the old man's face, looking like he understood exactly what was being said. "'You look like hell, dog,' the old man continued conversationally. "'And you smell terrible.' It was true. Bill's fur was matted and stuck here and there with mud and leaves. Twigs poked out of his once bushy tail." He had lost some weight as well. He'd covered a lot of miles and hadn't had too much to eat. We'll have to get you into the groomers for a spa treatment, the old man said he could take or leave the others, but it was good to have the dog close again. On the backside of the hill where it sloped down, the old man took a few longer, testing, tentative strides to see how his legs would handle it. At first, his joints sent shivers of achy pains up through his legs, Old man pain, he thought. But after a few creaky short strides, the blood started to circulate as his big heart pumped, and the lubricating fluid generated by movement reached his joints. He pulled a lungful of sweet spring air into his body, expanding his skinny chest and blowing the breath out in a long, satisfied sigh. Some of the tension. Some of the achiness, some of the weight of the world left with it. It was a pleasure to be moving again. It brought freedom. It brought a visceral joy that he had nearly forgotten. And he missed that. Beats the hell out of being locked up, doesn't it? He asked the dog who was flowing easily down the hill beside him in lockstep. The dog looked up and the old man could swear Bill was smiling. The wood stove clicked as the pallet chunks burned and heat expanded the metal of the ducting that ran up to the great brick chimney of the old mill. Willie unwrapped the scarf she had been wearing and absent-mindedly used it to wipe sweat beads from her upper lip. It was getting hot in here. That little stove in this confined space warmed up fast. She picked up an old leather soot-stained work glove and used it to turn the damper down. Once the bricks of the walls got warm, they would store that heat for hours. The woman in the chair was no longer moaning. She was sleeping soundly. Her face was red and sweat glistened on her forehead. Willie wondered if this fever meant the woman was dying. It was hard to tell. She had been in bad shape when Willie found her. The woman had taken some broth. It was all Willie could think of doing to help. As her auntie had said so many times, It's all in God's hands now. When her auntie said that, Willie was slightly ashamed to have thought, Yeah, but God has a strange sense of humor. Willie lowered her head and dozed. Where am I? Willie was shaken awake by a voice, and it took a moment to orient herself. She had been dreaming about playing with sea otters for some reason. One of the otters had looked at her and said, "'Where am I?' And it had confused her, because they were clearly spiraling through a kelp forest. "'Where the hell had that dream come from?' She inhaled sharply and wiped her eyes with the back of her hand. "'The woman! The woman had spoken!' Willie was shocked to see the woman was looking directly at her with a fair amount of animation. "'Where am I?' She asked more insistently, and who the hell are you? The woman tried to sit up, but didn't have the strength and settled for shifting a bit, reorienting in the chair to face Willie. Hey, lady, Willie said, welcome back. How you feeling? The woman seemed to weigh Willie with her gaze, like she was trying to determine if Willie was real or not. Some decision passed her face, and she relaxed back into the chair, looking around the room, Understanding replaced fear. How did I get here? I found you he here, half dead. What were you doing in the river, in your underwear, anyhow? I was running, or swimming, I guess, to get away from the king's men. Who? The king's army. The gang of bad men roaming around like feral dogs, killing people and generally being evil. Janet was lost in thought for a few seconds, but then concluded, I Guess there's a few less of them now. Oh, those dudes. Yeah, they came through here a while back. I stayed out of their way. I've seen gangs like them before. Nothing but trouble, burning the world down. Silence hung in the room between them like a thick, warm blanket. Want some more soup? Please, I can use the calories. Willie picked up the old percolator with a soot-stained glove and poured some broth into the mug. Start with this. It'll warm you up. Then we'll get you some solid food. Willie realized she was sounding just like her auntie. Thanks, Janet said, taking the proffered mug, blowing the steam from it, slurping some and wincing. Take it easy, lady, Willie cautioned. You've been through a rough patch. Janet. What? Janet. My name is Janet. Nice to meet you, Janet. Take it slow. I think you came close to dying just now. "'Janet thought about that. "'I guess I'm not meant to die just yet. "'Who were you talking to?' "'Willie asked. "'You were having a conversation with someone while I was trying to warm you up.' "'Janet scowled. "'My mom. "'I was talking to my mom.' "'What?' "'A ghost. "'I was talking to a ghost. "'I guess we're all talking to ghosts now.' Janet had a thought intrude into her brain, uninvited, and decided to share it with this girl, in this brick room that smelled warm and safe, almost homey. It felt safer than any place she'd been in the last few months. You know the word ghost is an old word, as old as the oldest language. Willie nodded. Janet took this as interest, or at least permission. She was somehow relieved to be sharing with another human in this safe pace to be connecting ghost is cognate with house Willie hit a moment of confusion janet continued cognate means from the same root word basically so originally the ghost was a spirit of the house or the home the spirit of where we lived our lives the spirit of our place of our history of our family i guess janet caught herself sorry i'm still out of it don't mind me Thank you for the soup. It's great. Willie didn't mind. She was surprised at how much she appreciated having someone to talk to, how she was in some way enjoying the conversation. No, I know what you mean. It's like everything these days is some sort of dream or something. It makes her minds overactive, like they're trying to figure something out. Janet thought on that. This girl had a sharp mind. She added to the girl's sentiment. The ancient Celts believe that our world and the ghost world were separated by a barrier, and that barrier was thin in places of great calamity. I guess we're living in one of those thin places now. Sounds about right to me, Janet. My auntie used to say something similar. Janet took a big gulp of the warm, salty broth. Ah, oh, I'm so damn hungry. I think I burned a lot of fuel getting across that river. "'I'm sure you did. "'I don't know how you made it. "'I would have drowned in a minute. "'But you're not the first trash I've pulled from that river.' "'You've rescued others from the river?' "'Yeah, a kid and even a dog.' "'Janet was alert now. "'Wait, was it a big dog with a funny tail?' "'Yeah. "'How did you know?' "'Bill, an old man, came and got them.' "'Janet thought feverishly. "'Could it be?' "'And asked Willie. "'Where did they go?' "'They're holed up in a school closer to the city. "'Do you have any clothes for me? "'Oh, yeah, lady, clothes I got.'
1: Greetings, my survivor friends. How are we all doing in this weird and wonderful apocalypse? So, I was reading some of the iTunes and Audible reviews. Thank you for those, by the way. And there was one person who was grumbling about having to listen through these outros. So, you know, you don't have to, right? Here's your simple solution, my friends. As soon as you hear Robert's narration stop and the outro music play, you could hit the skip to the end button and you're not going to miss anything except a commercial for Maycast and my rambling. So feel free. I won't be offended. For you time travelers, today is April 15th, 2022. This weekend, it's Easter. It's Passover. And Monday is Patriot's Day. Local holiday, which means it's the Boston Marathon. And I have run 21 of those Boston Marathons since 1998, but this year old age and injury conspired to put me on the sidelines. Oh well, it's a rite of spring though, I love it. We've gotten back to traveling, my real job. I've gotten back to traveling. I've made several trips to Dallas, I was in St. Louis a couple weeks ago, I was in Grand Rapids this week. And it's really great to get out and see people in the flesh. You forget how much you miss it. It's really something, and I'm happy about it. And you might think that traveling would interfere with my writing, but it's just the opposite. I get a ton of work done on airplanes where I'm free from distractions, and it gives me reading time as well. I think I told you last time that I finished Heinlein's Friday, just like Stranger in a Strange Land, Friday doesn't age well. It's just more of that sophomoric sexual freedom trope that he puts so much of into these later stories. And at the time, it may have been liberating, or at least libertine, but in 2022, it's just super distracting. I also read a biography of Chester A. Arthur, and that book like. Arthur's presidency was unremarkable. Uh, a note here this is the first time I've had an opportunity to hyperlink to a White House site. Yeah, whitehouse.org. And I hope the Secret Service doesn't show up. More appropriately, I read the second book in Nick Sainsbury Smith's Helldivers series. A lot of you probably know this series. Nick is an indie author who pumps out apocalypse stories on Kindle and Audible that are engaging, I mean, it's not Tolstoy or even Steinbeck, but it will keep you entertained. The writing is solid, the characters are good, and the action keeps on moving. And I'm going to get Nick on for an interview at the end of the season to fill up the dead space between seasons, but I would recommend his series, either the old Orb series or the Helldivers series. I haven't listened, but I'm sure they're good on Audible as well. Another thing I've found for you folks who can't get enough audio content is the Dust podcast. I talked before about the Dust channel on YouTube, where they have great short sci-fi bits, but they also have an audio podcast, which is really good. The season I just listened through was built around a common premise of a flight from Japan to SFO that goes through a time bubble and lands 20 years in the future and each story starts with that premise sort of like the illustrated man all tied together quite good and we have a winner in our read a story into audio contest our panel of judges unanimously picked the entry from our apocalyptic friend makeshift aka Mike Darling which makes sense because he's a professional he probably is violating his union contract by even doing this. And I'll put the clip here.
0: This is Mike Darling. The bathroom fan screamed a tired airplane sound that was entirely out of place for the lack of airflow it produced, but suitable for the dismal nature of this roadside motel. He wiped blood from his face with a gift shop t-shirt and looked into the hollow, soulless pits where his eyes should have been.
1: Pretty good, huh? No guarantees, but I'm going to try... (laughs) I'm going to try... And and I'm saying this because I always do this thing where I commit to more than I could actually do, (laughs) that I have to apologize. So I'm going to try to create a, I don't know, four to six episode arc around this universe and stick it into the hole between seasons. To this end, I need to write it. And to write it, I need to figure out what this universe is about I experimented with creating a survey online to get your input as to just what this bloody guy is doing in the motel bathroom. And I posted the survey link to the six people on my mailing list and into the Facebook group, and two people opened it. No one filled it out, which is cool. I'm not at all hurt. I just figured it'd be fun to hear what you thought, get your ideas. I'll put the link to the survey and the mailing list in the show notes. Uh, if you just want to give me some input some other way, that's great as well. Uh, by the way, every author, book, podcast, everything that I mention here is hyperlinked in these posts. If you want to learn more, the hyperlinks may or may not flow through to the podcast listener you're using, but I post them on my page at Acast. I have like a, a creator page at Acast and to the Facebook group as well. You can reach me directly at cyktrussell at gmail.com. And I'll tell you what, I'll send these, I'll start sending these outro notes to the email list as well. So have a great weekend, everyone. And until next time, keep surviving.